Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Freedom from Addiction, Truth, Justice, Below, Service, and Neil Haley Show. And I'm excited to welcome Frederick Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? I'm doing great, Neil. My program today is called Fake Money. Our Federal Reserve notes are fake money. That is because they are a fiat currency that is not guaranteed or backed up by anything. Gold and silver are, on the other hand, real money. They both have a store of intrinsic value. Markets are markets and will always fluctuate, sometimes defying logic and reason. Gold, as well as any other market, has typified this trading phenomenon at times over its 20-year bull market. For example, today's week price action is exactly what we saw in 2019 before prices exploded higher. Like today, the bullish sentiment was equally as weak in the early part of 2019. Why is that? Because the price of gold had been moving sideways for several years and investors simply had lost interest, even though the physical market was tight. The same scenario is in place today. Gold has been going sideways to lower over the last year, despite a tight physical market. And most of the public, again, has lost interest. It's human nature to lose interest at lower prices and to be excited after prices have run up sharply. The fact is we know why prices are weak so far this year, and we know the public has lost interest while the smart money is quietly buying up as much physical gold as they can get their hands on. And now we know physical supplies remain very low, but as Warren Buffett will tell you, the ideal time to purchase anything is when the fundamentals are good and there is blood in the streets. Gold and gold coins have a long history of performing this way, and today is no different. Inflation, negative real interest rates, and money supply are all on the rise. Strong physical demand will once again stem the current price decline, and in due time, gold will be trading well above $2,000 an ounce. So ask yourself a few questions. Do I believe that printing money and issuing new debt to solve a problem of being over-indebted, a plan that can work long-term? Do I believe the central banks can stop the printing without causing the greatest crash in human history? If they don't stop, when will our money be no longer accepted as having any value. Do I have a belief that those who are promising me repayment can actually pay? If they do pay, what value am I going to be receiving? Notice I didn't say amount. I said value. Have I done anything to protect myself from the loss of purchasing power of all these fiat currencies? What do I believe are the assets that can preserve my wealth best over time. Why are central banks, who can conjure up trillions with a mouse click, buying record amounts of gold? And finally, am I prepared for a period where the economy may not function anywhere near what we are accompanying? custom to? These are just a few of the questions that we should be taking seriously. I believe the biggest problem of our time right now is complacency. We are seeing our rights trampled on. We are seeing our money and therefore the value of our labor being destroyed. And just because the water isn't fully boiling yet, most people are confident even though we're going down a path that has a 100% failure rate 
that it won't happen a year. My uh, source for this podcast is Tim Murphy at Scottsdale Bullion and Corn with permission. And Neil, that's what I think about our fake money. People should go to my uh, podcast, which is www.freedomfromaddiction.libson.com. Spell Libson, L-I-B as in boy, S-Y-N. No caps, no spaces. And share this with your friends. They need to know what's going to happen in the future with respect to the money they have in their wallets. Wow. You know, it's uh, this is powerful because it's something that is so true that we can't continue to print money or it'll be nothing worth nothingness. And then China will finally ask for their money back. And then World War Three happens. So when great information, appreciate it. Again, that was Freedom Prediction, Truth Just Below the Surface in the O'Haley Show. Take care. Celebrity slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download. Free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Chris, Dr. Christopher Hall's show. I'm excited to welcome to the program Dr. Christopher Hall. And Dr. Christopher Hall is, again, a Nobel Prize-nominated doctor, author, and nationally syndicated radio host, Dr. Hall. How are you? Thank you for your service. And I'm looking forward to our topic today. Hey, Neil, how are you doing? Yeah, so am I. I'm very, very excited about this topic. I think this is a very important topic, and it does relate to both, uh, and particularly we're in this uh, pandemic and what's going on in, in life today. So very excited to talk about this topic. All right, let's talk about it. I'm ready to go. Let's go. Okay, so this uh, whole idea, it really came out of um, the, the book Ward of the Court. And um, as you know, that, that's a book I wrote back in 2018. Uh, but chapter one talks about childhood and also talks about aspirations and dreams that, that people have and, and that we have as Americans. And, and we learned from very early that you know there is a particular dream that, that we like to achieve and, and we really call it the American dream. Exactly, and what do you think that American dream is and how the sense of what's happening? Well, you know, in general, you know, the American dream is that, you know, we we uh, would have opportunity uh, in a country um, that has uh, 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 declaration and rights for its citizens, and it guarantees certain um, uh, uh, truths in life, so far as um, education, so far as, um, you know, uh, uh, certain benefits from um, the government, and, and then again, just the opportunity as an individual person to do things. And so I think, you know, looking at that chapter, uh, chapter one, those are the things I kind of saw, you know, growing up in foster homes uh, and boys' homes in juvenile hall, um, you know, and particularly people who are in my situation come from back- backgrounds that are, they're, you might describe as humble, who don't have much, who, you know, uh, family incomes. Exactly. So maybe less than ten thousand a year. You know, those people have dreams and have aspirations. And yeah, they do. They have the dreams and aspirations. Yes. Kind of go more into that, Doctor. Do you think that they think it's 
insurmountable and they can't attain that, especially in social social economic places? Exactly. Well, you know, that's why I wanted to talk about this topic today because we're in a pandemic, okay? And why it's a medical challenge, there's also a challenge for people who are now being more financially challenged, socially challenged, and certainly know, again, um, they're being challenged from a medical standpoint. And in this storm, as I would describe it, we could lose our sight of the American dream, and I do not want that to happen. You definitely don't want that to happen, Dr. Hall. And uh, you think that this based on the economy and stuff like that, you're concerned. What recommendations would you have for people to try to continue to try to break that barrier? Well, one of the most important things that, you know, even when I was growing up, I found when I was, you know, didn't have a whole lot was, you know, communication with people who were trying to go in the same direction. And so joining organizations and clubs, they're going in the same directions. People have their same goals. And then one of the other things is, is staying away from other organizations or crowds or people or groups who have a negative influence on your progress. And, um, and so I think that's a very important topic now because with the pandemic, what you see is a lot of businesses that are struggling who have to get uh, these loans from the government, loans uh, or grants. Uh, you see people who don't have medical care, okay? who, you know, now, well, again, we're seeing the ER uh, being flooded with people who are very sick and, and who will die uh, likely soon. And so this topic is, is very, very important because it goes to our will and our determination as a people and, you know, how, what we need to do now to reach out to communicate, to help one another, uh, to give a little bit more during this difficult time so that we can all make it through this. It's it absolutely. And I think that they should, people shouldn't give up. They shouldn't give up on their dream, the hopes. And as you chose doctor, Dr. Hall, other people chose other things. And um, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Like that you chose a different path and career with the ward of the court to be a doctor. You know, for sure. You know, and, and as a young person, you know, I saw that as kind of almost like a almost like a Mount Everest because I was pretty much had nothing. Again, I told you I was I was in age four put in foster home. I was in boys' homes from age four to up to I was eighteen years old, even in all the juvenile halls and I wasn't a bad kid, but I was in an environment where I was influenced by other kids who were, but I kept my focus on that American dream as I went through high school and college and military. And went through years of graduate and medical training. And so uh, I just don't want people to lose touch of that dream. And, you know, we had a great uh, guest on our show probably about a year ago. And I think people remember this name. And it was Ryan Leaf, who was a quarterback. And I remember he had come from a small town. And he had <clears throat> aspirations to be the best. And he worked his way up to the top to achieve his American dream. And through that process, he met obstacles, okay? Uh, maybe being around the wrong crowd, maybe having too much at the top. And then you have the, 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 uh, the, the people who want to take advantage of people at the top, and they come in and cause problems uh, in their life. It was your American dream. But I think we learned from his story that the people can actually uh, come back from challenges. And that's what we learned from a lot of stories on this show, and that's why this show is so very, very important. Um, and I know that across the country, people are seeing their American dream change. They're seeing their American dream uh, in their lives sometimes crumble, crumble because of what's going on with COVID. And so, you know, my job as a doctor, uh, a lot of cases is to deal from a medical standpoint. Their, their medical standpoint, you know, they're, they're you know, been shot or, you know, they, they can't breathe or they're bleeding. And I'm, I need to, I have to reverse those process. But at the same time, at the bedside, I try to talk to people, encourage them about their American dream and what they should do to get it back on the track. And so um, I just know during this time that that's a very uh, important uh, thing to talk about and to minister to people's soul, right? As a and that's, and that's the perfect reason why you're looking to do a foundation. And I think now with this time of COVID, it's the perfect time to do it, another run of COVID to 
can to look at a foundation, look at how you can help people and surely reach out to them and give them affordable money towards healthcare and all the different challenges that people are going through right now, Dr. Paul. Very, very true. Very, very true. Um, I don't want people to think, hey, you know, we're lost in a storm. Uh, and that's kind of what this this thing presents, this this Delta virus, this COVID pandemic. It's like a storm and, and no one has all the answers and, and things are changing from day to day from the top. And so we feel that we're lost in a storm. We see our American dream uh, twisting uh, on this axis, tumbling. And so, so no, we need the voices of hope, the voices of inspiration, and, and people of influence to step forward and to tell our population that, no, your American dream, it's not going anywhere. We're going to get through this pandemic. We're going to work together, and we're going to stay focused uh, to take care of one another. Fantastic. This is a great topic. Everyone out there, again, make sure that you share this podcast, Dr. Christopher Hall Show, share the Neil Haley Show everywhere because we're bringing inspiration and people can do this. But, uh, you know, I'm just telling you that is going to be the answer that we're going to be. Stay positive, stay encouraged and keep going as Dr. Hall did. And you need to get his book, War to the Court. And you got to also make sure you subscribe to the podcast, listen to the radio show, share everywhere. And I'm looking forward to September, right after Labor Day, some really amazing guests again, inspiring another season. This summer has been crazy, but guess what? Big, big guests are coming again. And I'm glad that Dr. Hall and I were able to catch up for this because this is like beginning the new season starting soon, right? Right when September comes, good luck. It's going to be a crazy ride, isn't it? Who knows who we're going to have on next and some amazing stories. And only place to check it out is Dr. Christopher Hall Show. So, Chris, I appreciate you stopping by. Great information. And thanks for coming on the show, coming on your show and talking about this stuff because it's the American dream has to stay alive as Dr. Hall was able to live that American dream and thank you for your service as a doctor and thank you for your service for the video too i mean thank you for also for the your service as a as, as a in in the military so thanks again dr hall no problem no problem it's it's, it's, it's my heart it's in my soul uh to to provide inspiration uh to our young people and to those who are struggling in life you're doing it all right thanks again dr hall thank all you right. all right that was the dr christopher hall show take care guys Please listen to the Forletta podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few. Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, a.k.a. El Chapo, and other related real-life crime stories such as Waco. For information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Freedom from Addiction, Truth Just Below the Surface, and the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Reverend Wynn Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? I'm doing good, Neil. Today, I'm going to talk about the third part in the series. The uh, series is Wearing a Face Mask, a Careful Review of the Evidence. And this is part three. Um, I wanted to, to say at the start that I am working on finding a different alternative to the cloth and surgical mask which is what we're talking about now. And uh, as I get this information for you, this might be a game changer in the mask uh, discussion. But that will be coming up soon. And uh, we'll go through um, this part three and then part four, talking about what we have available to us at the present time. Moreover, Epoch Times reported that in states, um, the U.S., with a mandate in effect, there were over nine and a half million confirmed COVID-19 cases, which works out to an average of 27 cases per 100,000 per day. 
when states did not have a statewide order, including states that had never been mandated, coupled with the period of time masking states did not have a mandate in place. There were over 5 million cases, averaging 17 cases per 100,000, a notable reduction as compared to the number of cases observed during the mass mandates. States with mandates in place produced an average of 10 more reported infections per 100,000 than states without mandates. The blind acceptance of the current unsupported dogma that has become so entrenched that if cases go up, the experts wedded to the universal use of masks claim that this is good news, such that masking prevented even more cases for occurring. This is truly incredible, taking these statistics. The reality is that there is significant evidence that masks are not effective for controlling a pandemic. To reiterate, we agree though, that within the context of a clinician treating an obviously infected patient with any communicable disease, the use of mask is important, but even then, this must also be augmented by the use of other PPE. And this simply cannot be compared to population-wide use of masks. The effects on populations are catastrophic and masks uh, perhaps unintentionally have been constrained, constraining our ability to return to a semblance of normal life. What does the best overall body of evidence show at this time as to the effectiveness of masks? To answer this, we refer to a recent tantalizing piece by Jenin Yowns, published in the American Institute of Economic Research, that sets the table for making a strong argument against the effectiveness of masks and also raises very We must also draw on data derived from the study of other respiratory viruses like influenza in regard to the use of masks to prevent the spread of disease. And we must also argue that this evidence is very pertinent to the virus SARS-CoV-2 associated with COVID-19 disease. Overall, the available research on the use of masks to mitigate transmission of pathogens in a pandemic is a very poor methodology quality using largely indirect unadjusted evidence and not the optimal clinical research that is needed. A major limitation is the use of the same evidence based by all reviews and thus arriving at similar findings. However, this low quality evidence is what we have and is, we believe, still useful enough to guide and inform us. At the same time, we do not recognize the urgent need for a well-designed clinical research study in order to address as definitively as true. In fact, we find it remarkable that researchers to It is also noteworthy that there have also been no reliable studies that can demonstrate one way or the other whether social distancing truly can be used to impede viral spread, especially in asymptomatic people. It appears that this issue is now fraught 
with politics and agenda promulgated by a wide array of medical experts on television and the media, as opposed to being related to a reliable base of knowledge. We suggest that various populations are being hurt by this type of academic sloppiness, which feeds into what we would call the reckless behavior of many experts and ill-informed media outlets who rely on these authorities. Conclusions around the use of masks during the COVID pandemic and other actions that have been taken but are not addressed here in detail, such as lockdowns and school closures are often baseless and we would submit that the research community has not studied the mask issue appropriately. Principally, because they're reticent and possibly even wary as to what the findings might reveal. After all, those who object to masking are often immediately labeled as deniers and heretics. The public remains confused by the messaging from senior medical experts across the United States. This can be exemplified by comments made by Dr. Anthony Fauci early on in the pandemic around March as part of his COVID-19 task force role when he stated categorically that wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think it is. The World Health Organization stated that the widespread use of masks by healthy people in the community setting is not yet supported by high quality or direct scientific evidence, and there are potential benefits and harms to consider. A strong argument against the use of masks in the current COVID-19 pandemic gained tracks in recently when a recent CDC case control study reported that well over 80% of cases always or often wore masks. This CDC study further called into question the utility of masks in the COVID-19 emergency. A recent publication asserts that face masks become non-consequential and do not work after 20 minutes due to saturation. Those masks are only effective as long as they are dry, said Professor Yvonne Kosar at the Department of Infectious Diseases, University of Sydney. As soon as they become saturated with moisture in your breath, they stop doing their job and pass on the droplets. In a similar light, there are indications that wearing a mask that is already used is riskier than if one wore no mask. More specifically, research was done by the CDC in May and published in Emerging Infectious Diseases, which examined personal protective measures and environmental hygiene measures for the effectiveness of such measures in reducing transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza in the community. Researchers focused on disposable surgical or medical uh, face masks and identified seven studies involving influenza and influenza-like illness and reported that there was in fact no significant reduction in the transmission of influenza when face masks were used. Overall, the CDC reported that there is no significant effects of face masks in the transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza and 
that we hold that these findings could be extrapolated to SARS-CoV-2. Researchers from the University of Oxford Center for Evidence-Based Medicine examined the data regarding the effectiveness of the use of masks within the current highly charged backdrop of politics. They concluded that after nearly 20 years of preparedness for coming pandemics, the evidence on face masks alone use remains very conflicted. The examined evidence that reveals that masks alone have no significant effect in interrupting the spread of influenza and general virus in the general population, nor health care workers. They ask, why had the correct applicable comparative effectiveness research not been conducted? And we agree, that is until the recent marine study found in the New England Journal of Medicine called the CHARM study, and the Danish study published in the Annals of Internal Medicine. We will describe this later. The Oxford researchers also speculate that there is a likely elevated rate of harm when using cloth face masks. They looked specifically at six RCTs in 2010 that uh, examined face masks and respiratory viruses. The trials show very poor mask wearing compliance and seldom reported the harms that might be associated with the use of masks. Harm evidence will be presented later in this discussion. Taken together though, this fits with the premise outlined above where we state that if masking could be used to effectively prevent viral spread, there would have been clear evidence by now. The New England Journal of Medicine recently published an article on COVID-19 and mask, which appeared to suggest that masks have become no more than a psychological crutch and stated that we know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, protection from the infection. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face -face contact within six feet with a symptomatic COVID-19 patient that is sustained for at least a few minutes, and some say more than 10 minutes or even 30 minutes. The chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is therefore minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexic reaction to anxiety over the pandemic. They also stated that it is also clear that masks serve symbolic roles. Masks are not only tools, they are also talismans that may help increase healthcare workers' perceived sense of safety, well-being, and trust in their hospitals. Although such reactions may not be strictly logical, we are all subject to fear and anxiety, especially during times of crisis. One might argue that fear and anxiety are better countered with data and education than a marginally beneficial mask. A recent uh, Danish study published in the Internals of Internal Medicine sought to assess whether recommended surgical masks utilized outside of the home would help reduce the wearer's risk of acquiring SARS-CoV-2. 
2 infection in a setting where masks were uncommon and not among recommended public health measures. The sample included a total of over 3,000 participants who were assigned to randomly wear masks and close to 3,000 who were told not to wear masks. This is the controller. The researchers reported that close to 5,000 people completed the study. Based on the analysis of the findings though, the authors concluded that there was no statistically or clinically significant impact of mask use in regard to the rate of infection with SARS-CoV-2. Interestingly, these results emerged in a setting where social distancing and other public health measures were in effect except for mask wearing. In point of fact, the use of masks in this population was generally quite low. In any case, based on these findings, it might be expected on the basis of this study alone that there would be serious doubt raised as to the need for the initiation and maintenance of mandatory use of masks in the public domain. Unfortunately, as of this date, this does not seem to be the case and is inexplicable, quite frankly. The Norwegian Institute of Public Health, NIPH, conducted a rapid review to assess if individuals in the community without respiratory symptoms should wear face masks to reduce the spread of COVID-19. They, um, they proceeded on the assumption that 20% of infected people are asymptomatic and that with a risk reduction of 40% when wearing masks, approximately 200,000 persons would need to wear a mask to prevent one new infection per week. Researchers concluded that based on the existing epidemic pandemic in Norway, wearing face masks to reduce the press spread of COVID-19 is not recommended for individuals in the community without respiratory symptoms who are not in near contact with people who are known to be infected. In May 2020, communication report in Nature, uh, Leung and all examined the importance of respiratory droplets as well as aerosol routes of spread as a, uh, with a specific focus on coronaviruses, influenza viruses and rhinoviruses. They measured the quality or the quantity of respiratory virus in exhaled breath of participants with acute respiratory infections and determined the possible efficacy of surgical face mask to prevent respiratory virus transmission. Perhaps one of the most seminal and rigorous studies, along with the Danish study, emerged from a United States Marine Corps study performed in an isolated location, Paris Island. As reported in a recent journal of the American Medical Association called the CHARM study, researchers studied SARS-CoV-2 transmission among Marine recruits during quarantine. Marine recruits at Paris Island who volunteered underwent a two-week quarantine at home that was followed by a second two-week quarantine in a closed college campus setting. As part of the study, participants wore masks and were socially distanced while symptoms were monitored with daily temperature checks, 
RT-PCR testing was used to assess the effectiveness of these strategies insofar as the presence or absence of SARS-CoV-2 RNA was concerned. Samples were obtained by the use of nasal swabs, which were co collected between arrival and the second day of supervised quarantine and on day seven through 14, the second quarantine used to mitigate infection among recruits. All recruits were required to have a negative RT-PCR result prior to entering Paris Island. It was found within two days following arrival on the closed campus. 16 participants now tested positive for SARS-CoV-2 mRNA, 15 being asymptomatic, and 35 more tested positive on day 7 through 14. More specifically, of the 1,800 recruits who tested negative with PCR at the study enrollment, 24 or 1.3% tested positive on day seven. On day 14, a total of 11 of the 1,760 or 0.6% of the previously um, PCR test negative participants tested positive. None of these participants were seropositive on day zero. As such, 35 participants who had negative PCR tests results within the first two days post-arrival on the campus then became positive during the strict supervised quarantine. Of the 51 total participants who had at least one PCR positive test, 22 had positive tests on more than day one. Phylogenic analysis was conducted whereby six independent monophyletic transmission clusters indicate, indicative of local transmission were uncovered during the supervised quarantine. The majority of clusters principally included members of the same platoon and numerous infective results had an effective roommate. The authors reported that about 2% had earlier negative kit tests for SARS-CoV-2 at the beginning of strict supervised quarantine. We asked the reader to think military grade supervision and less than 2% of recruits who had unknown prior status tested positive by day 14. Positive volunteers were mainly asymptomatic and transmission clusters occurred within the platoons. The predominant finding was that despite the very strict and enforced quarantine, including two full weeks of supervised confinement and then forced social distancing and masking procedure, the rate of transmission was not reduced and in fact seemed to be higher than expected. Hence, we point out that not only was masking ineffective in preventing the spread of disease, but even made things worse. Despite quarantines, social distancing, and masking in this cohort of mainly young male recruits, roughly 2% still went on to become infected and tested positive for SARS-CoV-2. Sharing of rooms and platoon memberships were reported risk factors for viral infection and transmission. And we're gonna stop at that point. We have one more, um, one more episode in this um, four-part series on wearing a face mask, a careful review of the evidence. And 
if you want to go by science and don't want to go by just what you hear on the news, you will take this um, information to heart and you will pass this podcast series on to all your friends, relatives, and neighbors. You can get them to be able to hear it by going to www.freedomfromaddiction.libson.com. And you spell Libson, L-I-B as in boy, S-Y-N. Use no capitals, no um, uh, spacing. We will uh, continue this on part four next week. And this is my report today on careful review of the evidence of a wearing of face mask. All right, that was Freedom from Addiction, Truth, Justice, Love, Service, and Neil Haley. So thanks again, Wynn, for that opportunity to hear that great commentary. Make sure you check out and subscribe to his podcast. Take care, guys. And welcome to the special simulcast of Freedom from Addiction, Truth, Just Below the Surface, and the Neil Haley Show. I'm excited to welcome the program, Rev. Wayne Henderson, MD. Wynn, how are you? Great, Neil. My program today is entitled The Lies Behind the Pandemic of the Unvaccinated. Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the White House and most mainstream media what we have now is a pandemic of the unvaccinated with 95 to 99% of COVID related hospitalizations and deaths being attributed to the unvaccinated. To achieve this statistics, the CDC included hospitalization and mortality data from January through June, 2021. The vast majority of the United States population was unvaccinated during that time frame. January 1st, 2021, only a half of a percent of the U.S. population had received a COVID shot. By mid-April, an estimated 31% had received one or more shots, and as of June 15th, 48% were fully vaccinated. Natural immunity offers robust protection against all variants, whereas vaccine-induced immunity cannot do this. The reason for this is because when you recover from the natural infection, you have both antibodies and T-cells against all parts of the virus, not just the spike protein. According to Dr. Anthony Fauci, the Delta variant is both more transmissible and more dangerous than the original virus and previous variants. But real real world data shows it is actually weaker and far less dangerous, even though it does spread more readily. So why are they, meaning, the pandemic virus industrial complex, so hell-bent on getting a needle in every arm? And why are they refusing to perform any kind of risk-benefit analysis? That already indicate these COVID-19 injections could be the most dangerous medical product we've ever seen. And on June 24, 2021, a peer-reviewed study published in the medical journal Vaccines warned we are in fact killing nearly as many with the shots as would die from COVID-19 itself. 
using data from a large Israeli field study and two European drug reaction databases, they recalculated the NNTV for Pfizer's mRNA shot to prevent one case of COVID-19 anywhere between 20 and 700 people had to be injected. To prevent a single death, the NNTV was between 9,000 and 50,000 with 16,000 as a point estimate. Meanwhile, the number of people reporting adverse reactions from the shots was 700 per 100,000 vaccinations. For serious side effects, there were 16 reports per 100,000, and the number of fatal side effects was over four per 100,000 vaccinations. The final calculation suggests that for every three COVID-19 deaths prevented, two died from the shots. This lack of clear benefit should cause governments to rethink their vaccination policy, the authors concluded. As has become the trend, a letter expressing concern about the study was published June 28, 2021, resulting in the paper being retracted July 2nd, 2021, against the author's objections. They disagreed with the accusation that their data and subsequent conclusions were misrepresented, but the paper was retracted. They rebuttal. Based on everything we've discovered so far, it seems a pandemic virus industrial complex is running the show with a goal to eliminate medical rights and personal freedoms in order to centralize power, control, and wealth. By the looks of things, the COVID-19 mass psychosis and loss of any rational thinking by nearly half the population will continue to persist as long as the propaganda continues. Fear will continue, and if need be, other engineered viruses may be released for which they'll create even more gene modification injections. My source for this podcast is Dr. Joseph Marcola. Now go to my um, podcast, which is www.freedomfromaddiction.libson.com, spelling Libson, L-I-B as in boy, S-Y-N, no spaces, no capitals, and share this message with your friends. All right. That was a great information. This is Freedom From Addiction, Truth Just Below, the service of the Neil Haley Show. Take care, guys. Mm -hmm.